Delicious meets nutritious in the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios. Each one-ounce serving of wonderful pistachios has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value and making wonderful pistachios one of the highest protein nuts. But perhaps more than that, I love all of the flavors they have. Their sea salt and vinegar ones are my favorite when I'm craving that flavor but want to keep it healthy. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors, like chili roasted, honey roasted, smoky barbecue, and jalapeno lime, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. So fill up with a healthy snack when hunger strikes. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. That's wonderfulpistachios.com. It's another Q&A edition of Optimal Health Daily, episode 1057, and I'm Dr. Neil, your host of the show. Hey there, welcome back to another Friday show where I play or read your questions and simply answer them. On all the other days, I read health and fitness blogs to you, kind of like an audiobook, with permission from the authors, of course. Now, when I'm not doing this podcast, I'm actually full-time faculty within the California State University system. I've actually been faculty for over 12 years. I published peer-reviewed research. I've presented at national conferences. I've been featured in over 70 different media outlets for my expertise on basically all things I talk about on this podcast. As far as my education goes, I have my doctor of public health degree with an emphasis in chronic disease prevention and nutrition. I also have my master of public health degree where my emphasis was health promotion and health education. I also am a registered dietitian nutritionist, a certified health education specialist, and a certified exercise physiologist through the American College of Sports Medicine. Now, if you want to send in your own question, I'll talk about how you can do so at the end of the show. But for now, I'm sure you're excited to hear today's question, so let's get right to it and start optimizing your life. And today's question to me came via email. Pete wrote in, what is an optimal way to train with a diminished lung capacity? For example, smokers, COPD sufferers, asthmatics, or people may be a bit hesitant to take that first step due to decreased lung function. My lung function is around 40% due to cystic fibrosis and have struggled with finding a good answer to this besides just train like everyone else and powering through like I do. Thanks. Thank you so much for your question, Pete. I'm so sorry to hear that you've been dealing with cystic fibrosis. I so admire that you're hoping to improve your fitness and lung function in particular. You actually don't want to necessarily train like everyone else. In fact, the American College of Sports Medicine has specific training recommendations for those with decreased lung function, which of course I'll discuss. But before we get to that, let me reset and mention what cystic fibrosis is all about. And to put it very simply, a person with this condition experiences repeated lung infections. Think about it this way. What happens when you get a cold or the flu? Often, you get a runny nose or sometimes a cough. The runny nose and sometimes the cough can be due to the buildup of mucus. Now, of course, when your nose is filled with mucus, you've probably experienced that it makes it more difficult to breathe. Similarly, when mucus is in your lungs, it can also make it more difficult to breathe. You may wheeze and try and cough to get rid of that mucus in the lungs. But eventually, that mucus dries up and then you feel normal again. In those with cystic fibrosis, the body has difficulty getting rid of that mucus. So 
that mucus sticks around. As you can imagine, this is not a good thing. You feel like you can't breathe normally all the time, like when you have a cold or the flu. But again, you feel this way all the time. Plus, mucus has the nasty tendency to hang on to harmful bacteria. This is why those with cystic fibrosis are more likely to suffer from chronic infections. We're also learning that this buildup of mucus may prevent the pancreas from working properly too. This can then affect how the body absorbs nutrients. So at this point, you may be wondering, is there a way to prevent cystic fibrosis? Now on this podcast, I often talk about diseases that are preventable. Now in this case, cystic fibrosis is kind of an exception. Rather than being related to lifestyle behaviors, like consuming a diet that's low in nutrients or not exercising regularly or not managing your stress and so on, it's actually believed that cystic fibrosis is mainly caused by genetics. So lifestyle may not influence whether or not a person gets cystic fibrosis. Instead, if a blood relative has it, then you're more likely to get it too. And when it comes to treatments, there are some available, but unfortunately there is no cure at this time. I am keeping my fingers crossed that we see a cure within our lifetimes. So Pete, the good news is that you are well enough to stay active. And as I mentioned, the American College of Sports Medicine has some specific suggestions for those with any form of lung dysfunction, even those with asthma, chronic bronchitis, emphysema. Now, chronic bronchitis and emphysema are both types of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, or COPD. And these rules will also apply to, of course, those with cystic fibrosis. The first step, though, is to be sure you discuss anything and everything with your pulmonologist, your lung doctor. They need to carefully monitor your progress and be sure that the benefits are outweighing any risks to your health. Now, once you've done that and you've got your pulmonologists okay, here are the goals that we need to think about. One, increase your endurance while maintaining the health of your lungs. Two, increase your ability to breathe normally. And three, strengthen the muscles that support your ability to breathe normally, like the intercostal muscles. So how do we meet these goals? Here's what the American College of Sports Medicine recommends. First, let's talk about cardio. Now, any type of cardio you prefer and any type of cardio your body can tolerate is fine. Your pulmonologist may recommend you keep some supplemental oxygen around just in case. So again, before you do anything, speak with them first. But basically, if you like to jog or run, go for it. If you like to go for a bike ride, enjoy. If you like to swim, that's fine too. Now, one thing I wanna mention about swimming, we're learning that chlorinated pools may aggravate lung conditions. The chlorine gas that gets produced naturally irritate the airways. So if you prefer to go for a swim, do so in a non-chlorinated pool. Now, when it comes to cardio, the aim is to get in three to five days of cardio each week. Now, when it comes to the duration of how long those sessions should last, because each person's lung capacity varies, you and your doctor will need to determine what's best for you. But the American College of Sports Medicine recommends you build up to 60, up to even 90 minutes of low-intensity cardio three to five days per week. So as an example, let's say you're able to walk for 10 minutes, no problem. But around the 15-minute mark, you start to feel uncomfortable. It becomes difficult to breathe. What you can do is rest after those 15 minutes, and when you start to feel good again, try and walk for another 15 minutes. So basically, you can break up the workout into lower intensity intervals. Again, the overall goal is to slowly build up your stamina so that you can walk or jog or bicycle or swim or whatever 
for at least 60 minutes. Slow and steady progress are the keys to success here. No need to overdo it. No need to push yourself to the point where you can't breathe. Next up, resistance training. If you're new to this, ACSM recommends the following for those with lung disorders. Try to perform some resistance training two to three days per week with at least one day of rest in between. When you do resistance training, try and work all of the major muscle groups. So instead of just focusing on arms or chest and calling it a day, think about working the legs, arms, chest, back, and shoulders during the workout. You also wanna think about starting with lighter weights. The American College of Sports Medicine recommends that the weights should be light enough so that you can lift them 10 to 12 times without stopping. Then, you'd wanna repeat that exercise two to three more times with the goal of performing the same number of repetitions, 10 to 12. Now, if you're more experienced or if the weight feels too light, you can increase the weight so that you can perform anywhere from six to 10 repetitions. You would then again repeat this movement one to three times with a rest break in between. Okay, so here's what it might look like. Say you're performing a shoulder press. So what you would do is find a weight that you can lift 10 times. You would then perform the movement, ideally without stopping. If you feel you need to stop, please do. Then after completing those 10 repetitions, you would rest. After the rest, you pick up those weights and perform another set of shoulder presses, the same movement, with the goal of lifting the weights another 10 times. Then you would rest again. After the rest period, you could choose to perform one more set of 10 repetitions, or you could move on to another body part and repeat these same steps. Now, speaking of rest, how long should you rest in between sets? Well, after you've performed your 10 to 12 repetitions or six to 10 repetitions if you're feeling strong, rest for at least two to three minutes before repeating the exercise. The goal is to not really participate in high-intensity interval training, especially if you're new to this. Rather, think lower-intensity training. What about flexibility or improving your range of motion? The American College of Sports Medicine firmly believes that this is important, especially those with lung conditions. They recommend performing this three to five days a week to start and then up to seven days per week or every day once you get more comfortable with it. Here again, the goal is to stretch every major muscle group. Hold each stretch for about 30 seconds and feel free to repeat any stretches for those muscles that feel exceptionally tight. Again, though, the key to success is to progress slowly. It's better to underestimate your strength and stamina than go all out and hurt yourself. Actually, this is great advice for anyone, even the most experienced of gym rats. So Pete, I hope you found this advice more specific to your needs and I wish you continued success. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it filters out incompatible applicants. So when you're hiring, the process is much faster and you only have to consider applicants that are already likely to be a great fit. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility 
at indeed.com slash health. Just go to indeed.com slash health right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash health. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And again, I thank you so much for the question, Pete. You're gonna be entered into a very small raffle every month to win a book on the first of the month. So if you wanna be in the raffle, send in a question. Just come by oldpodcast.com slash ask. Or you can do it the old-fashioned way and call in your question. The number is 61-I-LOVE-O-H-D. And lastly, we now take email questions. In fact, just like you heard, Pete emailed me his question. You can do the same by emailing your question to health at oldpodcast.com. All right, that'll do it for today. Thank you so much for listening every day. Thank you for listening all the way through. Thank you for sharing this show with someone. I'll see you back here over the weekend where your optimal life awaits.